Hello and welcome to The Outliers, a podcast that is described by, well, some guys made a podcast and make people upset by it now. I'm your host, as always, McLean, a guy who talks really fast and I've been told has a kind of unsettling tone. With me, almost always, is I, the same old Tyler, who's, I don't know how I'm feeling. <laughs> it's been a long day. Uh, I don't have a quirk today. And today, our special guest joining us, the expert of this episode, King of Country, our one and only. Pink Williams. Howdy, folks. It's me, Pink Williams, gay cowboy, the man in pink. Uh, Someone who's too radical for TikTok, apparently. Yes, I've been following your uh, battle with TikTok, and it's... Good Lord. The advantage to a podcast is you can get away with saying more. Yeah, because uh, we don't have to rely too much on getting past TikTok censorship. Yeah, no, that we, is a good thing. We are not the TikTok police. <laughs> so, a podcast. So, as far as this today's topic goes, it's a fairly easy yet also confusing one. We're talking about country music today. Yes, sir. Um, hence, why we have uh, Mr. Williams, Mr. Pink Williams, with us today. Um, because I decide who better to have on an episode that talks about the criticisms of right-wing country music than the man who is their mortal enemy. <laughs> um, oh, that's the truth, man. So just before we get into this, uh, I'll let Ty- I'll ask Tyler this first. Tyler, what's your exposure to country music been? Well, I'm just a simple city boy right here. <laughs> Uh, living living out here in New York City, so um, country music it, it, over here is treated just like it's like treated like a disease. Like oh, you like country <laughs> music? It's weird because I'm like I I've never been so like repulsed by it by a lot of other people. Like they won't talk to you if you say if you mention country music. Like oh, you like country music? Like what the hell? Um, so I I have family that lives like upstate New York, and it's got a very country vibe. So I've had that. Expo- like I get, I understand the environments that a lot of country music uh, thrives from. So I, I've always been a lot more open to it. I'm, I'm like, these country singers are actually super talented. I, I wouldn't say like I would listen to country music regularly, nor is it like my favorite genre, but I'm definitely more sympathetic towards it than a lot of my uh, neighbors around here in the city. It's to me, it's something a lot like punk, where generally the less known the band is, the better they are. Um, <laughs> Yeah. Uh, and also it's that like usually the guys who are truly the most of that genre then become indie labels. Um, I, f- I found it funny. I was looking at something Orville Peck um, mm. is, you know, probably one of the biggest, uh, a very big musician. Uh, he's labeled as an indie musician on several places. I looked at it for him though, just to do a little like background for him on this episode. Um, now, <laughs> Uh, How about Pink? You're our guest and you're the expert. Why don't you tell us about your exposure to country? Well, first of all, I'd like to apologize. I've been eating a taco. Uh, Just finished it up. But um, yeah, so I I grew up listening to a lot of like string band music and uh, bluegrass and old, old country. Uh, My dad grew up playing the banjo. Uh, He lived in Chicago and he raised me with a respect for the banjo and for, you know, this old bluegrass music like Doc Watson and uh, Alison Krauss is a newer artist, but like that kind of stuff. And then he introduced me to the movie, Oh Brother, Where Art Thou? 
when I was a little kid. That movie came out in 2000 and I was born in 96. So it was pretty much just like, you know, that movie and my childhood were, were pretty close up. And uh, the first time I heard that kind of country, I realized that my assumptions about what country was were wrong because uh, country had turned into this sort of pop with twang, you know, baby, lock them doors and turn the lights down low. And like that music's fun to drink beer to and it's fun to dance at a honky tonk to, but it doesn't have that same meaning that country used to. Uh, and then how did I get into playing country music? I've been writing and singing music my whole life, uh, really inspired by like the Beatles and Country Joe and the Fish and the Grateful Dead and the like 60s kind of protesty sort of music. Uh, and I realized that nowadays we don't have any of that country protest music. None of the mainstream country artists really do what you could call protest music. They just sing about the flag and beer and their girlfriends and their dog and their truck, you know, and, and it just didn't have the, the right, it's not authentic to what country people go through, which is, you know, fighting against corrupt bosses and fighting against poverty and fighting against bigotry and prejudice. So I realized that someone had to do it. There had to be someone to be like the Johnny Cash of today who will sing old country tunes and gospel tunes, but at the same time, will sing a song like the Ballad of Ira Hayes about the Native American Ira Hayes who fought in World War II as a Marine, I believe. And when they came back from war, they were treated with so much disrespect that they ended up drinking themselves to death and dying in a ditch. And, and Johnny Cash was one of the first country guys since like Woody Guthrie to come out and sing about this kind of stuff. I mean, the man in black, you know, we all know the, the line and, you know, where he says, uh, you wonder what, that's a right key. I got to figure it. Other need. Wonder why I always dress in black. Why you never see bright colors on my back. And why does my appearance seem to have a somber tone? There's a reason for the things that I have on. I wear the black for the poor and beaten down. Living on the hopeless, hungry side of town. Like, you don't hear that anymore in country music. And so I wanted to be that guy. And so I started doing that. And very quickly, I learned two things. I learned that that was needed somebody people needed to hear this and i you know my my first tiktok got blew up instantly when i wrote a song about the the coup the january 6th. that is um how i ca i came across you is that i saw that video i'm like oh, this guy seems awesome he's like writing country oh, songs that i don't hate yeah that's i get that a lot from people they say hey you're the first country artist i like and then i direct them towards my friends and my heroes and people that inspired me and i go like these are also people that have the same vibes like uh you know old school i would you know direct them to bob dylan or to jimmy rogers or to you know johnny cash obviously and then woody guthrie and then uh modern day artists you know a couple of my buddies like uh nick shoulders is out there writing some incredible country music he's a little more 
he's like subtle with the messages. Like they're they're more poetic and beautiful. You, uh, I'm you're just saying on par exactly with the chainsaw. The I, I love your music, but you're so always about like you know a chainsaw in a quiet room. Yeah, it's I you know I uh, I'm not all about subtlety. That ain't my kind of thing. Of course, you know country music. A lot of country historians call it something, and I agree with this. They call it three chords and the truth. And in my mind, there's not a better way to do that than to speak plain language that everyone can understand and to be very specific because poetic stuff is beautiful, but then people can misunderstand it and they can think like, oh, this song's for me, even though it's a song that literally is saying fuck Nazis, you know what I mean? And they won't, they won't be able to get it. So then I said, well, no Republican is ever going to be able to say that I'm writing songs for them mm -hmm. because I, it's fucking clear. You know, yeah. like, like a lot of my songs, like fuck Fox News, wear a fucking mask. Like there's, it's like just, just obvious. It's so obvious. And if you don't get it, you're an asshole, yeah. basically. You make it so easy that there's no way to misinterpret. So I, I don't mean to uh, compare too much, but I also feel like as far as exposure to like country lifestyle is the lifestyle, and I'll get to this later in the podcast, is now become more of a brand thing, a purchase thing of the trucks, yeah. the camouflage. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Um I'm personally from Pennsylvania and we are kind of that like uh what do we call it when salt water and fresh water brackish water of the culture where you get the midwest the northeast and the south all kind of starting to mix so you do have like yeah. these cultures unfortunately that also means like when we get the cultures it means we get confederate flags and pick and lifted pickup trucks rather than any of the great stuff like food and about everything great yeah. from the south i am um, personally <laughs> yeah that's about <laughs> I, memphis is one of my favorite cities uh oh it's fun and i i've i've been there once but it's one of my favorite cities uh been to beale oh, street and like that's kind of like when i think of the south that's like the place i like to think about yeah and like then i hear like everybody talk about it's like oh man the south sucks the south's just a bunch of confederate flags and I'm like no that's just like yes well unfortunately but... that's just the loud voices you hear but there's some good people there that's um, something a people... lot of it so I'm gonna something a lot of people don't something a lot of people don't really think about is that the South is so black. It is so mm -hmm. un Memphis to goddamn. I lived in California for over 20 years, right? And my, my my grandpa had traveled from Texas to Bakersfield in the you know 40s during the Dust Bowl. And my family pushed away the southern roots. They were like, nope, reject, you know. Because we knew we had family that fought for the Confederacy and we knew, you know, all those things that are true about most people that live in the South. And at a certain point, I realized, like, well, if the South is so horrible, why do people still live there? And then I, I started looking into it and it's like it's cheaper than the North. It's there's more culture here. People talk to each other. And where I lived in California might as well have been actually segregated because there were neighborhoods. And that's where. All the black folks in my town lived just over there. All the Mexicans lived over there, you know. And there was no like I, I knew about five black kids in my school, and yeah. I didn't think I didn't think it was weird. I just assumed there weren't that many black people it's around. So same in the north up here. I mean, yeah, it's and then all but I come here name. and every single time I go out, I see more black people than white people for sure. But also, I, it's more comfortable. They talk to you. There's culture. There's I mean, shit, I, I, I can't walk around town dressed like this without having like 60 old black ladies just go, baby, you're so beautiful, you know? And like, that makes me want to cry every damn day. 
And in California, if you like wave to somebody on the street, they're like, they don't want to talk to you. You know, I can tell you, Tyler and I could speak in the Northeast. It's like you, uh, you, you're a little too happy when you buy something that clerk will punch you in the face. Um, Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so oh, man. Yeah. just to get us started on the uh, episode, I'm going to do my little intro real quick on the actual subject. When you think of country music today, you may think of bro country, lifted pickup trucks and red solo cups. Or if you're more cultured like myself, the smartest man to ever exist. Uh, you might think of musicians like Orville Peck, Johnny Cash or the man in pink himself, Pink Williams. Um, but the story of country music and how to and how it got to be uh, sold out uh, starts way earlier than you'd think. Let's start in 1920s. In the 1920s, there were many things many things going on. The bloodiest, most brutal war to be happened yet at that time had just been fought. There was a large amount of veterans. There was strikes going on throughout America. Rich people were partying, and alcohol was banned. And there was bootleggers and gangsters and it is an insane period of time. Um, but amongst this time, uh, a new phenomenon started. Much like jazz music, inspired by folk music, uh, country music was starting to pop up. Now at the time, it was just referred to as hillbilly songs. Um, and one of the first, no, the earliest recorded band I could find, given a record deal with, uh, I believe it was Paramount, was the Skillet Lickers. <laughs> um, which... <laughs> We don't get names like that anymore. And, you know, it's a little, how you put it, uh, sad that we don't get names like that. Now, at the time, a lot of these songs were just about things that people experienced in the country. Uh, Skilled Lickers talked about a lot of things like the creek near them or, or the Pixlar Day. Then you get the beginning of what was near Second Civil War, which was the strike and labor movement starting from the 20s to the 30s. One of the big ones you might uh, have heard, well, you know, and these is Battle Blair Mountain is the biggest one you might have heard of. This was so big, it was the first use of airplanes as bombers, which was to bomb the protesters and who were fighting the Pinkertons, which if you want to know what Pinkerton is, imagine the cop and the mall cop, but worse. Bunch of assholes what they are. Yeah. Um, so these started to write songs about these things, bootlegging, fighting the Klan, fighting Pinkertons, and these movements. Um, though it became later on written by the wife of one of these, uh, you know, labor strike leaders, Which Side Are You On became one of the very famous ones. Come all you good workers, good news to you I'll tell Of how the good old union has come in here to dwell which side are you on, boys? Which side are you on? They say in Harlan County there are no neutrals there. Either you're a union man or a thug for J.H. Blair. Which side are and you This on? is the best right. podcast we will do. This is nice. like, this is, oh, we yeah. might have feet here. Um, we've never had somebody <laughs> start playing live music yet. Uh, I got my, I'm, I, you know, I knew you were going to mention it. I was waiting for that moment. So this would also <laughs> begin the culture clash of rednecks and the educated and proper Southerners. Um, because, you know. Yeah, redneck used to, used to mean something different. Yeah, yeah, it really did. <laughs> redneck um, used to mean 
redneck, like like redneck supporting like your rights and supporting the economy. And also came from the idea that you were working in fields because you had little money and you needed to do physical labor. This is my dad and I uh, talk about this all the time when it comes to the co-optedness of uh, the culture around this. Now, this was a lot of reasons there was culture clashes between the working class in the South and the non-ass working class and kind of the right versus left of old. Um, there was a lot of associations with Southerners and bootlegging and criminal activity. Similar to how a lot of immigrants were tied to gangs at the times, the rednecks were tied to criminal organizations, bootleggers and moonshiners. Um, so then, you know, we get, you get this kind of soggy bottom boys idea of country. It's a small group of guys usually, you know, coming together and playing, you know, I think that's um, one thing I really do say is like, you brought it up already, but Oh Brother, Where Art Thou is a great depiction of the South at that time um, between yeah. its depiction of like the kind of corruptness of the law, uh, the just general corruption of like wealth, uh, gangsters, and it says very good, accurate music of that time. Like it's not completely 100% accurate to time. And, you know, you also had guys, you know, like Johnson, uh, you know, there were guys who did do things like claim they sold their soul to the devil so they can get their, you know, play their guitar, which. Y'all check this out. Look at this poster I have on my desk. Yeah. <laughs> meet at the crossroads and it's got Robert Johnson selling his soul to the devil. Yeah. So, yeah. And, you know, he's obviously uh, based the guy who's in that movie is off. He's obviously based yeah. off him, but it was a different time. And by the time, uh, now, unfortunately, by the time the 1930s hit, a little something called the Great Depression hit. And because of this, record sales plummeted. So you weren't selling records like you used to. However, a great new invention had hit the airwaves, the radio. And because of the radio, a bunch of local musicians would like walk into the radio recorders like, hey, I got a song. So now you had songs, including protest songs, being played on the radio. I got um, one for you. I got, I got one of these for you. <laughs> This is Woody Guthrie. Well, I'm gonna tell you, fascists, you may be surprised. People in this world are getting organized. Bound to lose, you fascists, bound to lose. Well, there's people of every nation, they're marching side by side. Marching across these fields where a million fascists died. Bound to lose, you fascists, bound to lose. Right? Fucking amazing. amazing. Yeah. Um, now, the 30s also began something new, too, and terrible. Overseas, in Italy, fascism had started. And then it would hit Germany. Um, so, yeah. we. Uh, That's my Mussolini we, impression. Just the Yeah, we famously uh, have reviewed The Great Dictator. Uh, and, uh, oh, that's a damn good movie. We jokingly say if there's one thing that movie hates more than fascist, it's Italians because of all the damn Italian jokes in it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, but however, World War II would kind of bring an interruption. So funny thing about like things like huge events like wars is it kind of culturally paused America for a bit. Like you didn't, everything was so focused on fighting the Nazis that, uh, you know, we kind of like, just like, okay, uh, not a lot of new music and music is going to be, it's like, uh, pretty much pro, you know, propaganda. So yeah. post-World War II though, now with the introduction of film, there was yet again a revival in country music, this time kind of driven by cowboy uh, culture. 
Um, if you've pl ever played uh, Fallout, you might be familiar with the song Big Iron. That's the kind of music that started popping in. Through the town of Agulfrito rode a stranger one fine day. Hardly spoke to folks around him, didn't have too much to say. No one dared to ask his business, no one dared to make a slip. For the stranger there among him had a big iron on his hip. A big iron on his hip. Okay, Marty Robbins, folks, the man. Um, and now this would also begin <laughs> a, uh, a, a kind of divide in America. The first like really big divide beyond these small movements. You had an America that was... All right, so first, 1949, a little thing called the Cold War started. We'll do an episode about sometime. <laughs> this is not the time. I have a shit ton of stuff to a little, cover. A little, a little thing. Yeah. Invite me back for the anti-communist episode. I got some shit to say. Oh, uh, <laughs> anti-communist, you know, because you got the red scare. You got the less talked about lavender scare. Um, yeah, so this kind of going into the 50s and 60s would lead to more musicians kind of dominating the protest scene. And some of these musicians... Um, one of my favorites I'm going to talk about a lot here is Johnny Cash. Yeah. brought a dark tone to country that wasn't really there before in the mainstream. Because, you know, Marty Robbins, as great as he was, he sang about, like, the cowboy tales of, you know, guy walks into a bar, falls in love, that gets shot. Yeah. Johnny Cash sung about accidentally murdering a guy and then hanging his head and him deserving being hung for it. Um, yeah. Yeah. You know, his songs were, were written about the bad within a man or how men had been wronged by society. You had a boy named Sue, um, hung my head. Sorry to interrupt. Well, my daddy left home when I was three and he didn't leave much to mon me, just this old guitar and an empty bottle of booze. Well, I don't blame him because he run and hid, but the meanest old thing that he ever did was before he left, he went and named me Sue. Perfect, perfect song. Um, and then- You know who wrote that one, right? That was written actually. by Shel Silverstein. Really? Who wrote The Giving Tree. I was I was unbelievable. <laughs> I loved I loved his books growing up. Oh yeah. That's the thing I know about Johnny Cash is he didn't write a tremendous amount of his songs. Like he usually worked a lot. He wrote a lot of them. He wrote a, yeah, a hell like, of a lot of them, but not all of them. You know, he, yeah, he did like, a he did a lot of covers of artists that he respected. Like he would do like Bob Dylan or something. Like he really, you know, but he yeah. did write like a large majority of his songs. Yeah, it's I, sorry, I should rephrase some of his most famous ones that people yes. know, like Ring of Fire was written by June Carter. Yeah. Uh, full, he did write Folsom Prison, though, while he was in yeah. uh, Germany in the Air Force. Yeah, which yeah. is yeah. a little talked about thing is he was in the Air Force during all this time. Um, I do bring up Folsom Prison and Blues in a minute here, but also there's 25 Minutes Ago, a song about man on death row who has 25 yeah. minutes till he dies. Mm -hmm. And then he would be famous for when he was invited to the Nixon presidency uh, and was asked to play some pro-American songs, he played the Folsom Prison Blues and several other songs about criminals. Yeah, they wanted him. God, I hate Nixon so much. Uh, <laughs> almost as much as I hate Trump. Old statement. <laughs> Nixon, I know, I fuck, dude. Nixon, Nixon <laughs> if I could have traveled back in time, I would have killed Nixon myself. I hate that man. Uh, but he's dead, so I don't have to, um, yeah. luckily. Yeah. But we don't he, have to redact that statement. <laughs> Because he's fucking dead. What's he going to do? Sue us? I'm dead. Anyway, but no, dude, he wanted him to sing Okie from Muskogee, which is like 
you know, it's I'm so proud to be an Okie from Muskogee. A place where even squares can have a ball. We still hang old glory down at the courthouse. And white lightning still the biggest thrill of all. We don't smoke marijuana in Muskogee. We don't take our trips on LSD. We don't burn our draft cards down on Main Street. Cause we like living right and being free. Fuck Merle Haggard for that one, I'll tell you right now. Yeah. Uh... No drugs. <laughs> drugs bad. It's a banging song, to be honest, but it's like, just, you don't, I mean, the reason Cash wouldn't do it was because he was about the common man and he was about the working class and he was, I mean, man in black, that says what he's about. And so yeah. for Nixon, this, the fakest country fan in country history. Nixon never listened to country music. He didn't like country music. He thought country music was for stupid people. Why would I listen to the music that those stupid hillbillies are listening to? He likes like John Philip Sousa and classical music. And this motherfucker, as part of the Southern strategy, literally convinced everybody that this rich fucking New Englandite was somehow a true country American. And then he tried to convince these fucking people. And of course, Merle Haggard did it probably why he thought that he'd be able to get cash to do it but johnny don't bow down to no fucking buddy especially no crook like nixon man damn sorry i went off on a tangent there yeah that's fine this is the podcast of tangents i like absolutely i've gone on way too many rants here and then there's also dolly parton um who you know well unlike not exactly like Cash, kind of spoke to the common person, but at the time she spoke to the common woman, the struggles of a modern woman, uh, you know, in a society that was so incredibly sexist. Yeah. Um, yeah. You know, keep in mind, Tyler and I are both in the film industry. Um, and uh, it's just recent that we're revealing some of the worst parts about our industry right now when it no comes joke, to gender man. treatment. Um, so, you know, something to think about. Dolly Parton is huge voice. Um, and also to, you know, just because me and Pink both curse our brains by scrolling through TikTok a lot. Um, <laughs> to the people who are surprised that Dolly Parton's not right wing, fuck yeah. you. Um, yeah. It, what, Especially what, knowing that her, uh, her managers all are. Like everyone that manages her is a Trump supporter and all the people that run her business. And she still fights against that. Like that is yeah. some brave shit. Which is and how she's so it. famous that she can't. What are they going to do? fire her yeah fucking dolly parton she has her own goddamn city in tennessee by now you know yeah now as much as i'd love to talk keep talking about all the good things the country this is starting the predecessors of what i would lead to the brain break of america now this isn't the full break but a little something <laughs> called vietnam was happening around these times oh, as the cold something. war raged on um so the first real culture war would begin uh, in our country. Mo movies, for uh, the most part, were fairly conservative. Like, you know, the film industry was also fairly right-dominated at the time. You, at This was a point where you had a lot of cowboy movies. Like, this is kind of where I'd say the conservative cowboy starts. You let, where you had... We can all up the wagons, Pilgrim. Let's say some racist shit. John Wayne, Clint Eastwood, and failed actor Ronald Reagan appearing fuck in some John movies. John Wayne and fuck Ronald Reagan. 
Clint Eastwood's one of those Clint Eastwood too. Bro, to be honest. Yeah, he's one of those guys. If it wasn't for fact, he made some brilliant fucking movies. I hate him. I, I do hate that one movie's in where like the solution is being racist to his Asian neighbors. Oh, what the uh, uh, Grand Torino? Yes, that one. Yeah, bro, I can that, that movie is like the wet dream for every old, slightly racist white conservative. Where he's like, "I got to defend my house from these evil gang members." You're like, dude. Fuck you and your fucking Grand Torino. And, and like the, the part of the business mouth is there's pieces of a good movie in there. Like yeah. this guy getting over his prejudice with this like kid he's able to connect to. But they don't fucking go into it. And like there's also like this subtext of his family kind of abandoning him. But like yeah. then it and just even goes. When he gets along, even when he gets along with the kid, he still keeps calling all of his family members all those slurs. Like he yeah, doesn't it's stop the... being a racist. Yeah. So Clint Eastwood, I hate that you've made some good movies. And have also been into some admittedly good movies. Yeah, so this would show some conservative, early conservative icons going through the Old West, pretty much killing any, you know, abusing women, killing Native Americans, killing Mexicans, and often uh, had one common message. The, the West relied on straight white men. The now, lone white man protecting the town with his gun. Now, let's get into some facts about cowboys at the time. Fact one, I think less than one, less than one fourth of them were actually white. Majority of them were black, Native American, or Hispanic. Yeah. Fact two, there's a lot of gay cowboys. Oh yeah. Because and I got a song think, about that. <laughs> if you think about it, uh, the cowboy of the time, you know, cattle rustler, banditos, all that were kind of guys who were on the out fringes of society. So if you were an outcast of society and you're around other outcasts of society, you might find some other outcasts of society who are outcasts like you. And you might fuck. <laughs> yeah. So <laughs> that, that, I mean, you're absolutely right. Now, a lot of these same cowboy actors would famously end up in Vietnam movies or war movies in general. One of the worst being the Green Berets, which was also co-released with the first song that started a trend that didn't go away as much as it should have. The Ballad of the Green Berets. Mm-hmm. A song about how awesome our Special Forces boys were. And, you know, the early culture war was about how those damn communist hippies who didn't want to murder a bunch of people um, ruined the war for us. And you know, the war would end, it would be this huge tragedy of America. Again, that, an episode for the another time. But yeah, the music of the time did tend to vastly be against that war. Fortunate son, you know, Bruce Springsteen's born in the USA, which has just become a meme of conservatives thinking they know the meaning of it. They, they like don't listen to the music that they play. Like, yeah. the, the amount of times I've heard conservatives blasting fortunate son. <laughs> Well, to be fair, Tom Fogarty's a fucking idiot. So he's, you know, he probably ain't helping it right now. But he should be out. Like, if I were Tom, if I were not Tom Fogarty, if I, that's his brother, he was not that bad. If I was John Fogarty, right now, my ass would be on TV every day being like, hey, guys, Fortunate Son is not for you, stupid. Like, but he isn't. He's not. He's coasting on his credence money after all them lawsuits and just kind of. Yeah, exactly. He's, he, yeah, when you get to coasting, right. Now we enter the modern era. Oh, wait, before you do that, oh, I want to yep, play for um, y'all a bit of my favorite 60s anti-Vietnam song. This is by Country Joe and the Fish, uh, written by Country Joe McDonald. They played this at Woodstock. 
Well, come on, all of you big strong men. Uncle Sam needs your help again. He's got himself in a terrible jam. Way down yonder in Vietnam. So put down your books, pick up a gun. We're gonna have a whole lot of fun. And it's one, two, three. What are we fighting for? Don't ask me, I don't give a damn. Next stop is Vietnam. And it's five, six, seven, open up the pearly gates. Well, there ain't no time to wonder why. Whoopee, we're all gonna die. Well, the best anti-Vietnam satire songs ever. Yeah. And it's a country song. And it kind of works now. <laughs> Still does. It'll never yeah. stop working as long <laughs> as the American government is sending fucking 18-year-olds to faraway places to fight ideologies that don't actually threaten us at all. <laughs> oh no, people believe in Islam in another country? We better fucking destroy them. Like, we'll send them oh, out to kill fuck. people before they can drink. Oh yeah. yeah. What's the another line in that song is like um be the first home on your block to have a boy come home in your box. You know what I mean? Yeah. It's like that, just that fucking, and it's you know, the idea that serving in the military is the most patriotic thing you can do. Yeah, and now before we, we get into it, you just remind me of something. You know, America has had this lens into what not to do, which is getting a war in Afghanistan, because we saw Britain do it and get their asses kicked. We also saw Russia do it and get their asses kicked. And we thought we'd be the ones that could do it. Um, I always, I really suggest reading, like, if anybody ever gets a chance, Zinky Boys, which is this horrific book about the experiences of Russian soldiers. Because, uh, fun fact, they just seal you in zinc coffins when they send you back from the Soviet-Afghan war. And families weren't allowed to open and identify their bodies. So there's a lot of cases where some families got a coffin, buried it, and then their, their son knocked on the door the next week. Fuck me. So they That's got crazy. somebody else's son, which means there are people who never got that closure. Um, oh, my. Where's hell, boys? Yeah. Anyway, so now we enter the era of post-9-11 country music. Uh, so rather than <laughs> oh, 90s. No. <laughs> yeah. You remember all that good music Pink just played? Throw it out that, that out the window. Now. <laughs> anyway, so in the 90s, country was starting to have a bit of a revival. This time it was a little outlaw country was usually the general theme. It was starting to get like a little more generic. You know, it's about drinking beer. It was a little more rebel, but like kind of rebel against the mainstream at the time. Yeah. So if we're talking about outlaw country, uh, something important to mention is uh, the idea of outlaw country originally had nothing to do with like breaking the law. It was something that a woman who worked in a record studio whose name fucking escapes me and I wish it didn't because she really deserves the credit for this. Um, but she noticed how all these artists like uh, Waylon Jennings and um, Willie Nelson and a, and a shit ton others had left Nashville because Nashville had created the Nashville sound, which was like, you know, the singer is singing and there's a full orchestra behind you and there's strings and swells. And it's like, like you take a Hank Williams song and it started as you're cheating heart will make you weep. And then you've got like a girl singing it with a bunch of you're cheating heart. And it's all, you know, it's fake. It's not real country. And so these guys went to Texas and started playing in these clubs and creating this thing where hippies and country boys came together. And that's how you get Willie Nelson. He's like the epitome of that. 
So that was in like the, the 70s when that started happening, but it blew the hell up in the 80s and in the 90s. And it, today it's still, you still have artists who are like outlaw country. But it was because the lady that uh, was working at the studio, she used to keep a dictionary next to her desk. And whenever she needed a new genre, she would flip the dictionary open and just pick a word that made a little bit of sense. And she saw outlaw, first word she saw, and it said outside of the written laws. And at the time, the written laws of country music were no twang, no, you know, it has to be perfect. It can't be sloppy. It can't be jazzy. It can't be, it has to just be this neutered thing, which is, that is really what we have today. It's just that the Nashville sound now is that shitty pop country as opposed to like orchestral country. Sorry to interrupt. That's, you know, that's the- um, You brought me time because I needed to bring up the lyrics to some songs because uh, I'm going to curse all of everybody in this uh, Zoom meeting right now. Awesome. Um, so, yeah. This, so 9-11, horrific event would happen. The, it, and it, I'm not going to downplay- the, Not that like, chill. It was not that chill. Yeah, it was a very <laughs> horrifying event. Um, over 3,000 people died. It, America didn't know what to do. We had never experienced an attack on the home. You know, you have to think Pearl Harbor was an attack on a military installation. The War of 1812, very formal war. The revolution we weren't a country yet, and the Civil War is weird. Um, that was on us. Civil yeah. War was on us. <laughs> that was on us. We got you never get like so drunk you fight yourself. Uh, that was America. Hey, fuck you. Slavery's bad. Hey, fuck you. I, I like not picking my own cotton. That's the Civil uh, War in a nutshell for you, right there. Yeah, and I'm yeah. I mean, we uh, we've kind of talked about this. Uh, you know, states' rights mm. to do what? Um, states' rights. To, I love that to do what? You know, like what do you fucking think? Say, oh, they're like, oh, they um, have their own the agriculture. Well, what was the agriculture based on? Yeah. Fucking slavery. <laughs> we, we talked about this in a past episode, how like even like the people who say the myth of like, oh, you know, they would have aged out on their own. Not really, because like even when they said that, like, oh, we introduced the cotton gin, this is going to mean they were going to have less slaves. They said, oh, cool, we can make this worse somehow. Um, right. Anyway, so 9-11 happens, and suddenly America's culture shifts to dramatically. It was very reactionary at the time. The, the world at this time is really hard to visualize for people like me and Tyler, who were children at the time. And, you know, yeah. Pink, I, you, I think you were also pretty young at the time. I, too. I was, but I was old enough to start noticing things. And I was yeah. old enough to start having nightmares about terrorists because of all the, you know, George Bush going on TV and going, evildoers are going to come into our country and fuck all our shit up and Saddam Hussein is a fucking eat. So like I grew up having nightmares that terrorists were going to bust open my school windows and just like yeah. I, you know, I was because I was, you know, I was about five or six when 9-11 happened and then some of my first memories are like watching TV and seeing like Bush lie and then my parents being like, you know, uh, he's not telling the truth there. Like, <laughs> I, I, had a, I had a similar vibe like in, in my childhood and like growing up in new york city they do everything in your in their goddamn op opportunity to get to traumatize children forget yeah. never so like i went to school and like 
uh, September 11th every year was always like a special events that they they would set outside the whole day teaching you about it and like they're showing children of people jumping uh, videos of people jumping out of the building like as as children like them terrorists pretty and anyway and then they wonder why we become depressed filmmakers um and, you know, the thing that really blows my mind is it seems like no one is willing to admit that 9-11 was our fault we got to be honest like it was a terrible oh, yeah. thing that so, happened it was horrible yeah. but it was our fault for and fucking with frankly, the middle east for 30 fucking years and more and also stealing artifacts and oil since the 50s and then oh they attacked us one time and even if you go beyond like all that historic stuff you had several intelligence branches who, if they had communicated with each other, could have put this together. You had tons of yep. leads being ignored by the American government. Yep. Anyway, so this weapons is, of mass destruction. The weapons culture of mass destruction. I'm gonna get into that too so in a second. So the culture war that started around now was not so. Uh, another podcast talked about this, but there was like a tweet that like a bunch of people say, "Oh, we need to cancel Britney Spears," even though like we're all for Britney Spears being free because she supported George Bush during 9/11 and the Iraq War. You couldn't be a fucking public spe- figure and be in you know against that. I'm about to talk to what happened to people who were and one group of musicians, the Dixie Chicks. I'm not I a have- huge fan of their music, but. This is one of the things that kind of got them as blacklisted as you can get for like a really mainstream group. Um, yeah, they yeah, fuck it. they got kicked off their label, man. They were just yeah, gone. they spoke out. They said we don't agree with the war in Iraq. I think that was the one for them. It was the war in Iraq was what they were yeah. vocal about. And George Bush, they were te- they were talking about W man straight up. They were yeah. like W is lying to us about the weapons and stuff. And yep. And um, it became an American culture war to hate the Dixie Chicks. You had people buying their albums and destroying them, which awesome. Classic Republican move, right? I spent my money on this thing, and now I'm going to destroy it, even though it's not going to stop the money that I already paid for it for going to the artist. From the fucking Klan-burning Beatles records in the 60s to now. Yeah. And then you also had people buying, like, French wine and pouring it down toilets. The insanity of not- Freedom fries, motherfucker! Freedom fries! <laughs> Even though they're Dutch. Proud to be an American. French didn't even invent those. First it's of all, a, it's a Dutch thing, I'm pretty sure. And you know, the British I call them trips. Um, at, for our, we do have a good chunk of British listeners. So for all of you guys who are confused at this episode of why America sounds so insane, <laughs> yeah, we call them French fries, even though you guys call them chips, which is a better name for them. And then we renamed them Freedom Fries because we were angry at the French. This is why we turn out this way. <laughs> um, British people, this is the one thing I'll give you credit for is better name for French fries. Yeah. The yeah, one thing, you'll, you'll get this one pass, but nothing else. And yeah. like, I mean, the, the, the transportation system's all right. They got, they got the tube. I went to yeah. London for a theater thing, cool. man. Uh, I was doing a little tour with a group. And like, I gotta say, man, it was nice to be able to get around the place. I mean, New York's similar, but like London has got that fucking fly all. Yeah, you go to Scotland on a train. Young. Um, you, you go to a different country on a fucking train. Yeah, I know. You can. Well, you used to be able. It depends on if England's, you know, unified because they decided yeah, to also, know. you know. Yeah, that's anyway, whole, that's a whole different issue. This is all different <laughs> podcast episodes. We just mentioned five different podcast episodes. So you had three options when it came to being a public figure post 9-11. You were with the president. You were undying loyal to him and you made songs about him. You shut your mouth and said, that, oh, yeah, I agree with it, you know, or you faced massive backlash for saying, hey, I think this war is wrong. You know, 
something sticks out of mind. I was a while ago going through some old Saturday Night Live stuff, and there was pro Iraq War Saturday Night Live bits. You know, they had what's his name, the mayor at the time on uh, was Giuliani. Giuliani. Yeah, Giuliani on, and they called him America's mayor, and they said permission to be funny, and it's. Old oh, Rudy, so... black drip Giuliani. Oh, yeah. Rudy oh, oh how far Rudy has Old followed. Rudy using using homophobia and racism to get elected Giuliani. Um, Old Rudy just got his fucking uh, license to, to practice law revoked in the state of New York. <laughs> he yeah. can't even be a fucking lawyer in New York. <laughs> yeah, and you know, somebody pointed out that <laughs> oh, man. this man had the opportunity to probably like he would have been a monster either way but like he had the opportunity to shut his mouth and probably be like a former mayor who did speaker circuits at law schools and instead he decided to go ride or die with trump because something about people being exposed to trump just like does that thing like revealing the real monster they are it's money money yeah i mean that's it but like the devil is real he's a capitalist boys (laughs) yeah so now we're going to talk about my arch nemesis because I am calling him my arch nemesis because I had to listen to him a shit ton. Toby Keith! <laughs> uh, I, w- I, was, I was unaware of Toby Keith uh, before I did my homework for this episode. And- yeah, this was your uh, cross to bear, Tyler. It's me torturing you with country, like bad country I don't country even music. listen to guys. I won't, I, I won't even do it. You know what I mean? Like, I heard water. Oh, don't worry. No, I'll, thank you. I'll read the lyrics to y'all. Um, oh, fuck. So... These songs, I'm going to start with probably maybe some of the less offensive ones and then move on to the ones that are just kind of frankly racist. Um, so <laughs> a lot of country musicians, Toby Keith being the one I'm going to bring up a lot, did this whole thing of gotta love the troops, you know, songs about Marines. You know, even not a country band, Three Doors Down became this Christian rock band that wrote a song called Citizen Soldier, which they did for the National Guard. Every branch of the military, police, whatever, got a song at this time. And it is insane to talk about Like, something broke the zeitgeist and you know it was we need to do something like it, it you know it's kind of this whole thing we got like we never really talk about now but like you ever wonder where the whole respect the troops thing comes from like it was oh. disrespecting the war was seen as disrespecting the troops you had to be with the war like and even the people who said i'm against this war but like I, I i want these troops to be safe is why we're getting canceled like you know i can't think of a better term like Cancel culture is not, hey, people are angry. I said this racist thing on Fox News. It's all the people who got blacklisted because they said, um, yeah, I don't think we should be in Afghanistan or Iraq. And I don't think we should be like sending guys to die. And, you know, on that, that cancel culture thing, we need to think about who invented that in America. And the first massive wave of it was what you were talking about earlier with the Red Scare, where people like Reagan and uh, John Wayne were literally selling out their friends. And people yeah. that they had worked with, people like Dalton Trumbo, who was a communist, and he wrote Breakfast at Tiffany's, or yeah. either that or Roman Holiday. He wrote all these genius movies, and then sure. John Wayne sold them out and was like, "Charlie Chaplin, yep, he's a communist." Um, and yeah. you know, I also mentioned there's Hero the, Mostel, the, there's the Lavender Tevye. Scare, which was like kind of uh, McCarthy's really fun fact <laughs> about McCarthy. I'm going to briefly mention the lavender scare. He was trying to out all the uh, gay people in Hollywood. A yep. Fun fact about McCarthy, him and Mark I forget Cousin. the lawyer's na- name. Roy Cohn. Roy Cohn. Roy Cohn had a homosexual died of AIDS. Yeah, so is MacArthur. Uh, and guess what? Or not MacArthur, McCarthy. MacArthur Park is frightening in the dark. Um, McCarthy. <laughs> McCarthy is some, yeah, I might have said MacArthur a few times. Um, McCarthy 
famously shared a little lover boy with Roy Cohn. And they Not tried bad. to sue the army because they were going to send him to Vietnam. Robert Evans does a whole episode on Roy Cohn. Go check it out. The man is a monster. You know, Roy Cohn it was Trump's mentor, right? You know yeah, that? Yeah, he was. And he taught and Trump everything he knew. There's everything. that famous Trump, uh, like, the soundbite of him going, where the, where the fuck is my Roy Cohn? Um, I think that's what the documentary is titled. Yeah, but somebody said that he said that at one point. And uh, yeah. another thing I remember is that the AIDS quilt that was made, uh, famously, they put a square on there for him. It was, uh, I believe bully coward victim and yeah i mean it was a great way to sum the man up um if you haven't seen or heard or read the play angels in america i highly highly suggest it uh and you guys are in the film so check out hbo made a mini series of it where al pacino plays roy Cohn. sounds good um what it's it's unbelievably good it's all about this gay couple in the 80s in washington dc and how they cope one is like a Republican Mormon and the other is, uh, you know, just a, a gay guy. It's a beautiful, 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 beautiful story. You really got to check that shit out. So I'm about to read lyrics from a song uh, called The American Soldier. That's the name of the song. <laughs> For those of you who can't see, uh, Mr. I was, I, was, I was doing the jerk off. Uh, yeah, uh, yeah. And it's well deserving. <laughs> I'm just trying to be a father. Raise a daughter and a son. Be a lover to their mother. Everything to everyone. Up at up and at him early. I'm all business in my suit. Yeah, dressed for success. My head down to my boots. Uh, I don't do it for the money. There's bills I can't pay. I don't do it for the glory. I just do it anyway. Providing for our future's responsibility. Yeah, I'm a good under pressure. Being all that I can. I can't call it sick on Mondays. I guess it's just a lot. It's like, I can't do this or that. And, you know, it's like mailmen have the same thing, you know. Um, Thanks for the ear cancer. I'm going to have to go to the doctor now because <laughs> my ears are infected. Anyway, so I'll pick up here. Uh, and it's always do, and I always will do my duty, no matter what the price is. I've counted up the cost. I know the sacrifice. I don't want to uh, die for you, but if dying ask for me, I'll bear the cross with honor because freedom don't come free. Hate that. Fuck I'm an American sake. soldier, an American besides my brother and my brothers and my sisters. I proudly take a stand when liberty is in jeopardy. You know, I always do what's right. Tyler, did I make you, you, you ever, listen to this song? You did. You did. You <laughs> ever <laughs> notice? Um, you ever notice how they talk about liberty being in trouble when we, it's not even in our own fucking country and it's not even our own fucking problem? Part that I find really um, is, oh, and I don't want to die for you. Like it's acknowledged, like well, then I, don't join the military. Also, that's what the bourgeoisie wants. So you to this song about die. a guy in the military. What's something very interesting about Toby Keith that he's writing? Oh yeah, he wasn't in the military. Of course he wasn't. None of these no, guys. No, no. These, it's it's easy to talk shit. <laughs> they're pandering, man. They're they're pandering to a large base that they know already likes country music, and that's the military, the men in the military. Yeah. Like that's historical. That's country is what you listen to in the military. It's been since the twenties, you know, people listening to Jimmy Rogers singing about waiting for a train. You know, they like, and, they, and people like that know it. And so they write music just to make, to get all these fucking military. I mean, they're using the soldiers the same way the American government is. Yeah. For a and, fucking buck. And like, I want to express here. I have a lot of friends who served in the military. I respect I them too. deeply. I have no problem with the soldier, with individuals, but I do have a problem with people using that as a way to spark hatred yeah. towards others or put us in these situations where more people die, especially, you know, as 
I don't mean to sound like an nationalist. I don't like Americans dying, especially when it's avoidable. No. Um, yeah. Well, I have mo- every friend of mine that served in the military, <clears throat> whether they saw combat or they didn't, they all say the same thing, which is the soldiers are doing what they think is best or they're doing their only option because they're poor and the government makes it very um, clear that if you're poor, you have to join the military or die, basically. Right. But every one of them is against the war. And it's against the politicians and it's against the military industrial complex. I have never met a veteran that wasn't against that. Joe Kasabian, um, he's the host of the Lions Led by Donkeys podcast, a podcast I love a lot. It's great if you love military history. Um, Also, he does a lot of talk. He has this book called The Hooligans of Kandahar, where he goes in depth about his experience in the military. And it was really like kind of something that makes you think, oh, fuck, this is just really fucked up bureaucracy. And yeah, I suggest giving it a read or listen. Fun fact, if you join his Patreon for $5, you can get a free copy of the book. Um, so awesome. now moving on from me, like, uh, you know, giving a shout out to people who I love and hope one day <laughs> give me a shout out, um, is another Toby Keith song called Made in America. Uh, this one pissed me off. Uh, I heard a lot of these songs on the radio growing up. My dad's like one of those guys. He doesn't pay attention to music like it's always he needs the white noise though so and country's yeah. kind of safe like there was not a lot of cursing or stuff so like that was on in the background a lot i did have exposure to some stuff i would grow to like later on but mild man's that old man spent his life living off the land dirty hands and a clean soul it breaks his heart seeing foreign cars filled with fuel that isn't ours and wearing cotton we didn't grow he got the red white and blue flying high <laughs> on the farm semper fi tattoo on his left arm spends a little more in the store for a tag in the back that says usa he oh, won't buy nothing that he can't fix with wd-40 and a craftsman wrench he ain't prejudiced he's just made in america this, this ah! one in particular ah! really pissed me off because not like so i was, just want to say the video is atrocious I just want to say, I want everybody to know that, like, I go through this effort of inviting a really good musician onto my podcast, and I make him hear me talk about these songs. <laughs> oh. This, this oh, song was, like, really close to, like, hitting the mark, because, like, it does, like, mention, like, oh, like, these big corporations are taking over our small local farms, and, like, yes, that's the problem. Focus on that. None of the other bullshit. <laughs> You're so close, and it happens. Dude, I, I, read a, I read a comment the other day that said someone was, like, I just got in an argument with this right-winger who was trying to say that, like, big corporations are evil because they're communism, and it was, like, I'm sorry. What? Half of that is right. <laughs> I need yeah, to it's like, yeah, big corporations are evil. I need communism to is read out this next, for next part because I want to give us a little break because this next part is the worst part. Loves his wife that she's that wife that decorates on the 4th of, uh, of July but says every day is Independence Day. Oh, she's uh, golden rule, teaches school. Some folks says it isn't cool, but she says the Pledge of Allegiance anyway. Right. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, I just threw up in my fucking mouth. I haven't done the Pledge of Allegiance since I was yep. 10 years old. So this is, I'm not even yet to the part that really broke his brain because we can go on and I will get into that once we start moving away from this patriotic shit. Um, so yeah, I just, Pink is a man who writes some music that has a lot of meaning behind it. Like I listen to your songs. A lot of them are satirical. Some of them make me laugh. Some of them kind of make me angry when I think about things. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> 
Uh, these make me angry when I think about things for a different reason because I'm just yeah. thinking, God damn it, Toby Keith. Um, <laughs> curse you, Toby Keith. I'm just gonna be somebody. This I'm not gonna lie. I, there was a half chance this was the episode that broke me, and people will be driving by somewhere in Pennsylvania. There'll just be a guy yelling at the road, God damn you, Toby Keith. I'm gonna find you. God damn you. Nobody's you bastard. Um, but now the last song of this trilogy of America Pro. A song called the Taliban song. Oh, for fuck's sake. This, I, I'm I just a it. middle-aged, Middle Eastern, camel-herded man. So much wrong with that first sentence. Straight racist. Right out the gate with a fucking racist statement. <laughs> I got a little two-bedroom cave here in North Afghanistan. Oh, come on, man. This used to be a real nice, but they got out of hand since they moved in. They call themselves the Taliban. Ooh, ooh baby, the Taliban. Uh, I want to kill myself. Oh, uh, yeah. No, it gets worse. I'm sorry. <laughs> I'm Again, ashamed. Yeah. Um, I'd see my wife's face since they came here. They make her wear a scarf over her head and cover her from ear to ear. That's actually kind of funny. <laughs> <laughs> oh, fuck. Uh, yeah. And then a lot of the lyrics, the like, chorus is ride, camel ride. I, I want to tell you I'm making this up and this isn't weird shit that like I had to dig deep. This is like a song he sold. Dude. Um, now they attacked that- New York City because they thought they could win. Said they would stand and fight until very bloody end. Mr. Bush got on the phone with Iraq and Iran and he said, now you sons of bitches, you never about not be doing any business with the Taliban. Now we prayed to Allah with all our might until those big U.S. jets Came flying in one night. They dropped little bombs all over the Holy Land. What the fuck's wrong with this guy? Dude, that guy needs to be fucking decapitated. He needs to be locked up. This is one of like the most like egregiously <coughs> offensive, like not even trying to hide it songs that I've ever heard. I like am amazed that there's just not like a straight up slur here. Like I, I mean, most of it might is as well slur. be. It slurs, but like not like it. Like the. God damn. We're going to have to do the uh, sorry for this interruption. We're facing technical difficulties. <laughs> I'm just going to break the fuck. Just That shit melted my fucking consciousness. Uh, yeah, oh, I got to so like drop this, some LSD now. And, and the thing is, this wasn't planet. like rare shit. This was playing on the radio at the time, which, you know, before we had YouTube and streaming, was a big deal in 2003. That's when this came out. 2003. All right. So now we get to a weird time where we're starting to move a little farther away from, um, you know, Iraq war. We now have a change of president. Barack Obama in 2008 is elected president of the United States. America gets really fucking racist again. Um, Because we did something we never done before. Um, Again, they never stopped. They just hit it because they had only white presidents. So they had nothing to fucking complain about. Yeah. Um, you know, old white first, man, old white man. First black president, Barack Obama. Say what you want about his politics. He was the first black president and to a lot of conservatives. That man a lot. That was good. Yeah. He's a pretty cool war criminal by most standards. Yeah, he was pretty chill, man. Yeah. As far <laughs> I will as say, war if criminal I have to, mur- baby murders go. He's if sick. I have to compare him to all the other presidents, he's the least terrible. If I had to compare him to any other president, I'd compare him to Clinton, most likely. Where he's like cool enough that he gets away with doing really fucked up shit. Only he's not putting on sunglasses and going like, "Wait, wait, wait!" Really a pain in America. I can't do it. Really a pain in America. 
There we go. Also, uh, I'm going to go have sex with my intern. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. He got an easy, like kind of an easy pass on that one. It's like one of those things where I do kind of find myself agreeing with like, right. Where it's like, yeah, no, that's kind of fucked up. He did that. Um, yeah. I mean, I don't care if you get, you know, like, yeah, it's, it was his intern. So that's fucking, that's messed up. That's an abuse of power. But if he had just gotten a blowjob, like who fucking cares? JFK got a hundred million blowjobs in the White House. Like it doesn't fucking matter. Yeah. But then he fucking lied about it. They were like, did you do it? He's like, I, I did not have that. sexual relations with that woman. Wait, I, is, is face fucking somebody considered sexual relations? <laughs> oh, shit, I lied on TV. Uh, wow. Now, I'm getting hell, of course, because this guy gets into where conservatives got at the time, which was this really passive, like, America's going down the drain. You know, yeah, we were in a recession. Who started this recession? It couldn't have anything to do with all the massive amounts of, you know, caps taken off the banks in the Bush era, money dumped on a fucking war machine, a bunch of shit that had happened. Anyway, so this is a little song called The American Ride. Oh, fuck. <laughs> I, are, are we I know we're going to end this call and Pink's just going to close this computer and go, I'm never fucking talking to these guys again. <laughs> is um, that your fault? Oh, I just fucking, I tried to pick up my bong to take a bong rip, and I'm so mad I broke it. Ain't that a bitch? I'm not even joking. I'm not even fucking joking. I just, look at that. I tried to pick up my fucking bong, and I literally, I just uh, grabbed it, and it just went boop and broke. My That music was so bad, my bong shattered like a fucking opera glass. I'm a bitch. Yeah, so... This is the opening. Winter getting colder, summer getting warmer. Tidal wave oh. come across the Mexican border. Oh fuck! It's Why buy a gallon? It's cheaper by the barrel. Just don't get busted singing Christmas carols. That's us. That? That's right. Gotta love this American ride. Both ends, both ends of the ozone burning. Funny how the world keeps turning. Look, ma, no hands. I love this American ride. Gotta love this American ride. I hate that he repeats that. Like, do you know how hard it is to read that line? It's uh, uh, God, Game over, uh, guys. It's done. I gotta, I gotta go hang myself with my guitar cord. It's over. Uh, that, 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 that. I'm not gonna read anymore. Yeah, <laughs> and, and so, the, and like, honestly, like, this is just like, you know, oh, America's lost its ways, and and this is something I also want to carry into is the Christian nationalism that starts slipping in with country because mm-hmm. God is great, you know. Yeah, and know. God, America is God's country. God created America. I forget the name of the, the song. Created the lyrics I'm about to say might be the name of the song, but there's that song. Uh, what's it? People, uh, people are crazy. Beer is good, and God is great. I forget the name of the song. Or it goes something along about that. <laughs> oh, this, this, this and, is why people. <laughs> and you know, podcasts uh, I like also talked about country music on an episode they did, and they talked about there's um, I think Zach Brown band did a song, and one of their lyrics in the song is "Christ is King," and that's really alienating to like a large majority of the country. Like honestly, yeah. I kind of feel like so I didn't really grow up any, with any like heavily religious influences at all. Um, my Tyler. grandparents are Catholic. Both my grandparents are Catholic, but they're very, very progressive, like leftist Catholics. But something my Nana taught me when I was little was that we should hate the KKK because not only what they did to black people, but because they burned crosses on Catholics' front yards too. They hated Catholics. That's a little known thing. They, uh, yeah, they. My really grandma hated was born in Colorado and lived through like three or four cross burnings on her front lawn. You know. Mm-hmm. So like that's some real shit right there. Yeah. 
so also around this time, uh, going more into 2000, as we start recovering the recession, you couldn't really get away. You know, it wasn't too popular. Like, even troops were making fun of this, man. Fuck this shit. This is just like, fuck this sucking our dick country music shit. Like, Generation Kill does this great line where it's like, one dude's making fun of the stuff he calls, I'm tired of all this fucking moto shit painted all over. Um, uh, Generation Kill, great miniseries on how psychotic the war was. Um, or you can read the Rolling Stone articles. Very interesting to read about as far as the war goes. It's just a very, this is how it was. There's no bias in any direction. It was, this is how it was. And it's, fuck. I mean, I, I, yeah, anyway. So there was also something started here, um, which was like, how do we make country music popular? Now, country music was competing with rap. Rap was getting very mainstream amongst not just, well, amongst now white audiences too. You had fucking M.M. who was dropping hits left and right, you know, and you had then through M.M. kids were getting exposed to tons more rap artists. Um, you had pop music. Spawn of the devil. <laughs> and Tyler, do you want to tell us about a song that I made you listen to that was kind of the first time we heard an artist like say Brad Paisley and LL Cool J share the mic? Dude. <laughs> <laughs> so the songs uh, he's referring to is called Accidental Racist. Oh, for fuck's sake. And it's it's all about like I'm sorry I wore that red flag and you looked at me at the Starbucks that That's way. That's the thing. The part of the song that gets me is that the it's the it's LL Cool J apologizing to Brad Paisley. And the thing that I hate is I actually kind of like Brad Paisley's music. It's like very like fun. Like yeah, I love his Allstate jingle. <laughs> um, he has that one song of you know. I, God damn, I can't think of the name of that song. It, it's about basically a <laughs> lot lo, buying lottery tickets and like. Oh man, I love his music. I can't think of a name of one fucking. I haven't song listened to his love- music. In, <laughs> I, I like his music in a way I like Independence Day. Oh cool, this is on TV. I'm gonna watch it. Oh cool, yeah, this is on if the it's radio. On, you listen listen to it, you know? That song is really like, it's just it, it's all just like like sorry I offended you, but let's just let the past be the past. Don't worry, don't think about it. I'm sorry we enslaved you. Whatever. Yeah. That, oh! And then LL Cool J comes out of nowhere. And then LL Cool J basically serves up as Brad Paisley's version. It's like, it's okay, I can say that. I have a black friend. <laughs> that is the song. It's okay, I can say this. I have a black friend, the song. Um, and he's just like, terrible. yeah, I'll forgive you for slavery. There's this That's one part right. I really want to talk about because we did that whole fucking episode on the election of 1876. I'll forgive you for slavery. They called it Reconstruction. Fixed the buildings, dried some tears. We're still sift and through the rubble after 150 years, I try to put myself in your shoes and that's a good place to begin. But it ain't like I could walk a mile on someone else's skin. Yeah. That was something that oh, LL Cool J I don't know. Um, so fun fact, I meant to listen to this again. I didn't. Tyler, I'm sorry. Oh, it was my favorite one. Like, it, it's not good. It's really bad. I sent you good songs to listen to. Oh, you did. Too. I want to point that out. Um. It wasn't all bad, but it was, re- it was, <laughs> it was just like, I was not expecting LL Cool J to be in this. So all of a sudden, Ms. LL Cool J starts rapping like, dear Mr. White Man, I wish you understood. <laughs> what was the one part you, something about gold chain, what was it? Um, There's oh, something like, if you, re- if you don't judge my gold chains, I'll forget the iron chains. <laughs> that, like, and I'm just like, what the fuck is wrong? 
Uh, I think Mr. Williams just. What the fuck is that supposed to fucking mean? I I think Mr. Williams. Is that equating wearing bling to goddamn chattel slavery? Yeah, I think so. Hey, wait. So I'm not even at the worst part yet. Now they think the worst part. Listen, we haven't hit Florida Georgia line yet. I am going to bury Brad oh. Paisley in a fucking hole. <laughs> and I'm going to throw LL, LL Cool J in there, too. He can fucking be on top. Well, you're going to have to dig one really tall hole or one really small hole. Because um, I think Brad Paisley's like five. Again, I like. I think he's a fine guy. I just think this is one of those things like the liberal attempts to fix racism. It's like that one movie that came out recently where it's fucking the liberals, man. white guy driving around the uh, famous black musician. Um Oh, the Green Book thing. Green yeah. Book. And like everybody pointed out, this is like a really white savior movie. It's like kind of really offensive in its own. Yeah. This was that movie in song form. Like there were good intentions. <clears throat> there were good yeah. intentions, but you guys missed the mark on every chance he gave. It, it was that, like watching that's a what was really interesting about it. It was like a watching a blind sniper at the Olympics. Um, at least it ain't the same as uh, you know, the Hank Williams Jr. song. If the South would have won, we'd have had it made. I'd probably be the president of the Southern States. I've got his fights. Look, I know Hank Williams. uh, I know his great grandson. He's like a friend of mine, Coleman. He's got a great band called Four and the Strange Band. And even he fucking agrees. Like, there's no way, there's no way that that kind of songs are like chiller. Like, I posted a video talking about it and he liked the goddamn video. He was like, yeah, man. Yeah. Come on. That's That's his grandpa, is Hank Williams Jr. Anyway. (laughs) <laughs> so there was another song that always stuck out to me because this was the first time they started moving towards pop country bro country a song called dirt road anthem by jason Aldean. um i don't Tyler, did that make you listen to this one you you did and i listened to it and uh i i i don't remember it <laughs> yeah um, yeah i'm not gonna read off the lyrics but this song is like they do have a part where he sings really fast kind of almost like he's rapping and i remember they like made a big deal about this song because like it's um you know oh like yeah he worked with rappers so he can do this like kind of rap in country and it was a really big deal you know besides that the way people at the time attempting to like put country in music was oh god what was his name he was that like famous like he was the redneck rapper I can't think of his name. I, I Stupid McGee. Talking. I don't know. Uh, yeah. Anyway. Yeah. And this was the first time we'd get into bro country, which was, in my opinion, cemented into popularity by a little duo called Florida Georgia Line, which yeah. also just made me think about something. One time I was in class and a girl said, Hey, did you know the guys from Florida Georgia Line? One guy's from Florida, one guy's from Georgia. And without admitting it, be one guy. One guy said, oh, that's funny. Florida, Georgia line are from Florida and Georgia. No shit, really? Anyway. Damn. Did you know that Tennessee Ernie Ford is from Tennessee? (laughs) Do you know that Flo Flo Rida is from Florida? And now, admittedly, I know. I actually didn't know that. That makes a fucking lot of sense. (laughs) (laughs) I know a lot of people who, like, 100% didn't know that until I pointed that out. Flo Rida. I, I, I always wondered, why is your name Florida, dude? Like, what's that supposed to be? Um, now I know. Yeah, so I think, one, it was kind of like, as far as, like, the actual political meaning, these songs were, like, fairly inoffensive. Like, it was, you know, yeah, what's that song, Cruise? You know, just got to drive with my top down, cruise. Roll my windows down. Roll my windows down. 
<laughs> yeah, I like that we've had Pink sing several good songs, and now Tyler and I are, are quoting Cruise, which also had a remix, I think, and God damn it, I forget who it was with, but yeah. It was Nelly. I don't know. Yeah, God damn it. Yeah, and this broke my band. Anyway, so a ton of guys got caught up into this. Um, one of the guys <laughs> who kind of started to get caught up into this movement, um, I need to bring up, because he's going to be in, in direct contradiction to the culture war continuing in the age of Trump. Um, but I'm going to bring him up briefly. Morgan Wallen. Um, I hate him. I think he's a dick. Fuck Morgan Wallen. I never um, heard his music. I never even heard his music. I haven't I heard his heard... music, and I've refused to. I, I actually, like, kind of, I drew that, like, I listen, I'll make Tyler listen to Toby Keith, but I wasn't going to make Tyler listen to Morgan Wallen. I kind of drew my line here, like. Now I'm curious. I got to. <laughs> I want to talk about. I want to talk about something in regards to um, that, and the reason and, why, I, just specifically on that motherfucker and his uh, and his use of the end. Say what you want to say first. But I yeah. So you know, that. one, he, you know, he's an obviously racist man. He dropped the n word like it was no problem. Um, he also, at the height of COVID, was at the a thirty year old man at one point at the University of Alabama making out with like freshman sorority girls. While he has a wife at home who had a child, um, you know, a great representative, like. Listen, I'm not going to pretend to be like some great, like, like representative of like how a man should act or be like, I'm, I'm not that. But like, you know, if you're married, that is kind of like a value don't break and making out with college girls when you're a 30 fucking year old man, is just fucking wrong, especially using your fame during the height of a fucking pandemic. That ain't right. So, yeah, that ain't right. Fuck Morgan Wallen. He's a piece of shit. And I just wanted to talk about how he's kind of become the first Keystone musician in like the Trump era, because like this era's broken the mind of every fucking person on the world, left, right. It's like just everybody has now have like they're like I'm including myself. Like I've read way too much about this shit that now I have like some weird obsession with figuring out what these people are. But yeah, it became he had his highest record sales, which doesn't mean necessarily mean he had a lot of listeners. We'll get into that when I talk about somebody else. But you know, Mr. Williams, why don't you tell us about uh so the real <clears throat> so there is a lot of racism in country music and one of the things that makes me so mad about that is that without the contributions of black delta blues musicians there would be no country and this is one of the reasons i moved to memphis because memphis is where a lot of this shit started because you've got you know new orleans was jazz you know freed slaves with broken instruments inventing jazz memphis i have a, uh, I have a shirt where uh Elvis and uh, Johnny Cash got their clothes tailored. It's a Johnny Cash shirt has him from like one of those famous poses of him and his guitar. But yeah, it's the yeah, like Nashville's kind of the city where it's made. But Memphis is where those Memphis guys is the city. Were. Well, because you know they all they all recorded their first hits at Sun Records, which is yeah. uh, where I'm actually. I just applied for a job to be a tour guide there. Ha ha ha. But. Uh, Literally, I just watched the 16-hour-long country music documentary on PBS, which I highly suggest to you guys and anyone listening. Check out Ken Burns' Country Music on PBS. Uh, I think you can get it on Amazon uh, for a couple bucks, and it's 16 fucking hours of country music history. But the biggest thing I talk about is the fact that we have country music because white men heard black men singing the blues and and loved it they fucking loved it so they started writing their own versions of those types of songs sometimes even lifting directly from the songs other times just you know whatever but it was a love thing i mean you know who taught hank williams how to play guitar 
was a, a freed slave, an old man that worked at a farm near him. And he taught him how to everything he knows, you know, and, and all these early blues musicians in the Mississippi Delta and, you know, all along the banks of the Mississippi River, they invented the sound that white people stole and turned into country music. They literally invented it. And it used to be where there was this acknowledgement. Black people would, would listen to white hillbilly music and they would play their own new stuff and we would pass it back and forth. And then at a certain point, Nashville decided that because their audience was racist, they couldn't say that. They couldn't be like, and now here's a song inspired by a 1939 song written by a, a black man. They couldn't say that, so they didn't. And so people grew up thinking country is white music, when in reality, country music is black as hell. Country music, is, is ha its entire roots are built out of the black and poor experience of the South, because there became a time where black folks and white folks were both poor as shit, both working on the cotton fields, both working for people that didn't give a shit about them. And they knew that. And there was a solidarity there. And the only reason it changed was because of rich, racist, white fucking assholes. And that's the biggest bummer is how when, when someone like Morgan McFucknut or whatever the hell that douchebag's name is, when he goes and, and, and uses that sort of language, he's going like he ought to be kissing black people's feet because he wouldn't have a job without the contributions of black Delta blues musicians. And it, it drives me up the walls because now people think the country is racist inherently. No fucking form of music can be inherently racist unless from the get go, like minstrel music. Yeah, that's inherently racist because it's white people singing literal black songs and then just blackening up and doing the whole thing. Like, but I can't yeah. believe it that it's so pre prevalent knowing, like if you know country music, you should know your country music history we and know you know, people like Reverend Gary Davis, a blind black uh, blues musician, he fucking pretty much created the finger picking style that everybody mimics now. And these people don't even know their own goddamn history, just like America doesn't know its own yeah. goddamn history. Yeah, and if you bother teaching it, it's uh, critical race theory and propaganda for the what leftists. What's fucking name for that thing? It's like, yeah, I, 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 I'm history. Of I'm of the thing that's like they named it a bad name was the like the one criticism I have of it as a whole. But besides that, it's something it should be taught. Just teaching, it's just teaching history is what it is. Yeah. Right. The um, actual history, you know. So, you know, we get this pop music country and we start to see some people from outside a country trying to manipulate that in their favor. And this led to one of the biggest controversies. Some real people got real racist about this. Some people got homophobic when things later came out about this person. I'm talking about Lil Nas X and Old Town Road. Just take a minute to applaud Lil Nas X for being the coolest motherfucker in, in music right now. Yeah. Literally, um, literally so fucking baller. A man that who, kid, oh my god. I like every time he makes <laughs> every time he makes music, a friend of mine jokes like, you know, it's like somebody said, you can't make a gayer song than this. And he hands him a beer and says, Hold on a minute. Um hold my dildo. Wait a minute. <laughs> Naked men shower in prison. You know, uh, beautiful. <laughs> so he makes this kind of I'd say pop country song. Yeah, you know. Old Town Road, which is a catchy fucking song. Catchy. I hated um, it at first, and then I it grew on me so quick. Yeah, I was like that too. I'm like, this is stupid. Right. I'm gonna listen to this. Old Town Road. Um, and then, you know, 
as much as whatever you think about Billy Ray Silas, his kind of seal of approval being on it did semi help legitify him amongst. I actually think it was it barely it improved the song, the mix of Billy Ray Silas' yeah. vocals. Um, however, a lot of people didn't want to consider this country. Yeah. I wonder why. Wonder um, why? Could it be because he's black and gay? Yeah, and that was you know. The big thing came out about him as soon as the song was it was he was also gay um which brave that motherfucker came out of the closet right after putting out a number one song in a in a genre that people like him have been excluded yeah. from for years there are two famous black country singers that people really know about today and it's uh charlie pride and uh the guy from fucking uh, darius rucker from hootie and the yeah. Blowfish. and darius rucker at his uh, version of Wagon Wheel is absolutely great. Um, you know, I, you know, another one of the better country musicians. And uh, I'm about to get into this kind of weird transfer of like a lot of old school rock and metal guys going into country. But uh, yeah, and the backlash to Lil Nas X, I can't say, like, if we're considering Florida Georgia Lines, Cruz remixed country, then, and any other songs, um, then we are considering Lil Nas X country. That's my opinion. Um, and I'll get back into the kind of the embracing country of people who are outside of the conservative ideal and kind of wrap this up. The last thing I want to talk about is I was almost done writing this episode until a uh, YouTube I, I like named Todd in the Sh- Sh- Shadows put out a new video. And I'm like, well, I'm finishing up. I'm just doing some spelling corrections. Um, I should watch this in the background. Little did I know. Anybody here familiar with a band called Stained? Yeah. Yeah, so Aaron Lewis, the former lead singer of that band, um, he's a total Trump supporter and is now a country musician, and he came out with a song called Am I the Only One? Yes. No, unfortunately, you're not the only one. Unfortunately. <laughs> no, we, it would be awesome if you were. Um <laughs> Uh, yeah and this song is just like total trump boomer psychosis um i'm sorry i'm gonna read out some of the lyrics okay Uh, man am i the only one willing to bleed or take a bullet be free screaming what the fuck at my tv for telling me yeah you're telling yeah are you telling me for telling me yeah are you telling me that the that i'm the only one willing to fight for my love with the red white and blue burning on the ground another statue coming down in the town near me boy i wonder who the statues are robert e lee (laughs) robert e lee i want to fuck robert e lee oh is i don't bedford forest is my daddy i just want to go back to robert e lee for a second because the song accidental racist ends with r.i.p robert e lee but i've got to thank abraham lincoln for freeing me um Am I the only one not brainwashed making his way through the land who still gives a shit and worries about his kids as they try to undo all the things he did? Now, Am I the only one that's not brainwashed? Uh, but actually, wait, I, 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 you know, this part, who still gives a shit and worries about his kids as they try to undo. Now, at first, I thought, oh, they as in, like, the government. They means his kids. That's why I come to believe yeah. is this man hates his kids for saying, hey, dad, you're kind of a fucking asshole and we don't want to be like you. Um, so yeah, this is the boomer. So this is, we should expect this. Tom McDonald kind of got the head start with the Trump fucker music. Um, this is going to be a pattern and it's going to suck. And, you know, Aaron Lewis wasn't doing well in country and suddenly this album hit 
the top 100 billboard now how he did it was he sold a lot of his song he sold his song a ton which billboard has this weird thing where like sale it's one of the reasons bts like almost always hits one number one more people who buy their records it lifts them up more it's a really weird algorithm but it works um so lastly i'm gonna say there's a little bit of hope though um there's country musicians a lot of them are small some of them not so small one of the bigger ones who comes to mind is orville peck who is an openly gay country singer like strict not Lil Nas X is beyond country. He's yeah. does a lot. Orville picks a pure country singer. Um, he he ha, he has kind of also done this thing where he's taken like this classic iconography of like the cowboy, the Martin Robbins, Marty Robbins cowboy, and his vocals, which are very I want to say I want to say haunting, but like deep and masculine sounding, and then makes yeah. them about the kind of like you know no, no glory in the west is a great song because there's one lyric where it's like a boy thinking about what he can't do and he can't turn back and i at first i interpret that oh like there's something in this past i'm like no it's this is kind of him saying he's you know accepting the fact he's gay and he can't really go back to the life he had before he came out like that's how i interpreted it um yeah so there we are and then um you know i think there's some hope in the country music and you know personally i watch your uh Oh, sorry, I can't think of the name of it correctly, but you're a rodeo. Oh, uh, the uh, Pink Williams Gay Cowboy Rodeo Review. Yes, which was a, uh, I found a bunch of these awesome little artists through it. And yeah. I just kind of want to get your final opinion about the state. Of so the by the way, I, I am planning on releasing more episodes of my review show. Mm -hmm. uh, the way that TikTok has been screwing me lately, I don't know if y'all know, I lost my main account. They just deleted it. Yeah. Uh, that... I had 81,000 followers and TikTok just decided that you know, like my song says, you can't call a Nazi a Nazi when you're on the internet. They just, they have been fighting me every step of the way. And that was how I advertised to get people to send me their performances so that I could, you know, showcase them on the show. Uh, so I swear to God, I'm going to, I'm going to put that shit out. You know, I'm not, yeah, it's, I'm, I'm slowly collecting more performances yeah, for the second episode. You're, uh, I, I know you're in a very kind of tedious position with uh, TikTok and I, you know, they, it was a really sudden purge. They got like Jolly Good Gingers and our guy I follow. And even now they got his backup too. Uh, I think they got Terraverse off for a little while. One of my really good friends, Ollie Snow, who's known as like the Cornbread Communist or Lucien LeCrypt or, I mean, you know, they have, he has literally seven backup accounts because he is a transgender redneck who writes and talks about, you know, Appalachian history and redneck history and being transgender and being gay and all this stuff. And people just hate it. I mean, it's the same reason I get my shit fucked is they, they can't stand someone being successful and also being a commie and also being a redneck because in their minds, they're the only rednecks. And so they get so furious. I mean, but yeah. back on the, the thing about the country music, I, I'll tell you what inspired me the most was I'll say it right now. Nick shoulders really did inspire me a lot. And I told him as much. I mean, you know, we've become friends. I'm seeing him on the, uh, the fifth of, by the way, y'all, if anyone's in Memphis on the fifth of August at Hernando's hideaway, you can go see Nick shoulders, uh, do a set. He is one of my uh, favorites. I'm fortunate to tell you this episode comes out on Friday. <laughs> ah, fuck me. Well, Nick, I tried. If you see this, I tried, buddy. Um, but um, he, uh, what, we'll, we'll share it on our Instagram though. We get 
we get yeah. a handful of people so i will do that and i'll share it on my personal but stuff he, uh, he writes songs that are like you know he'll, he'll talk about like he's got one line that always sticks in my head where he's like is the land of the free the home of the slave like that kind of shit you know it just it's like yeah. beautiful mountain music with yodeling and whistling and stuff but it's got that 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 true message in it mm-hmm. but you know i'm not I'm one of the major outliers of, of these kinds of musicians where I'm, I'm, I seem to be getting like, my, I, I'm becoming that guy where, you know, people are recognizing me as the one doing all that kind of stuff, but there are, I'm not the only one. Like there are lots of other people that just maybe aren't as forceful with their message as me. Cause I'm, I won't shut the fuck up. I'm always going on about it. Uh, but there's a lot of that, that hope you were talking about where people are like, well, fuck this. I don't like country music. That's just, you know, bullshit. I don't like this nationalistic, you know, racist shit that's coming out where people are just, you know, stand for the flag. And if you don't, you're a fucking loser. If I, I for one, am not a fan of songs like the Taliban song and think we can do better as a country. Yeah, we don't need that isn't helpful. Also, yeah. if it was a Middle Eastern man writing it, it could be good satire, but it isn't. It's a white dude yeah. pretending to know how the fuck people in the Middle East are living. And yes, they live in terror of the Taliban. Yes, yeah, it's horrifying. It's, yeah. But that's not our, that's the other thing. That ain't our story to tell. We need permission as white folks to tell those stories. Like I was asked by my indigenous friends to write a song about colonizers. So I did that Britney Spears parody mm. of colonize, you know, but I waited for them to ask me to do it because I'm not just going to assume I know how they think, even though I talk to them. Cool. You know, and I need, I, that's the whole point. Johnny Cash didn't just write the shit. He visited indigenous people he went to their tribes he went to their reservations and he sat with them and ate with them and prayed with them and and sang with them you know and it's like that is important but people are trying to write about shit and they don't even know you know Uh, they're writing like it's rich dudes writing about poor people yeah you know what it's like to be a farmer that's the thing like when you know you get somebody like um jason albini has a song called flyover states where he sings about like being like a flatbed hauler on the you know yeah i'm afraid he's never done that stuff though he's just always been a national country you know and you know we're in a very weird time where it's the these really kind of underground scenes of music are seem to be like I, I you know um i see a lot in like via i'm not a punk myself but from punk tiktok and punk people in the community are dealing with this thing like where like a lot of their icons have like lost their fucking minds and just become these like right wing psychos. So like they're having like anti-vaxxers and shit. And you're like, yeah. Same with so, rock and roll, man. Eric Clapton and Van Morrison put out a fucking you know anti-vax song. Then again, Eric Clapton's a racist. We cannot forget this. Eric Clapton in the seventies on his tour would take a little bit out of every show to tell the audience that immigrants in England were a problem and would say keep England white. So we can't forget that, that Eric Clapton was an open was an yeah. open racist. And he's an abuser. I mean, he beat his fucking, you know, he openly admitted to like raping his wife. Like there's all sorts of shit. It's just yep. these people, man. These yeah, heroes. Yeah. You know, it's it's up. that thing, don't have heroes or they'll always lay you down. But uh, yeah, no. And um, like I said, uh, so anybody listening, go on YouTube, check out Pink's YouTube channel. Go check out his Instagram, his backup, uh, Pink Williams Music and Backup Pink Williams. Uh where else can people find you? Uh, good uh, I have, uh, I'm on Instagram. I'm on Twitter. I'm on Facebook. I, I'm on YouTube. Uh, you go, if you Google search pink Williams music, it all pops up. It's all like the first 
you know, it pops up. You can find it pretty easy. Streaming on Spotify, streaming on Apple Music and iTunes, supposedly streaming on Pandora, but I haven't found I, it yet. Um, I, I don't use Pandora. Pandora so. is fucking weird sometimes. I use yeah. it for my, my like chilling playlists and stuff. Yeah, I don't, I, you know, I don't know if I'm you know. on there yet. Uh, you but, can also um, find me on YouTube Music. I'm on there. Um, I'm around. Yeah, and just kind of before before it sounds like you play this out, I want to talk about one last thing because we talked about the music part. Yeah. Is now like there's also this very you just remind me this very fake culture around what country is too like this camouflage clothes and something I see a ton around here and I'm in north and I'm in Pennsylvania I'm fairly north as you can get for you're, you're just flat in New York where it's very much I'm buying the imagery of acting like a working man without being a working man because I think that's the truth about America now is that blue collar is a like social class not really an actual class anymore. Yeah, because you can't make a living as a blue collar worker, and the people that are our blue collar workers now they're working at Amazon, mm-hmm. and that culture is starting to change where people are realizing they need to start doing the, them old worker things like fighting for unions. Mm-hmm. Only they're doing it for big Silicon Valley corporations, and you know instead of because coal is kind of dead and oil is slowly getting all these things that are good for the world, getting rid of these industries will save us from certain death. But at the same time, all these working class people are getting pushed out. And liberals, here's the problem, man. People like Joe Biden, Mm. they don't give a fuck about the working man. And they're not reaching out to them. They're pretending that they're stupid. And they're they're thinking, oh, those rednecks, those hillbillies, they're going to vote right anyway. They're only voting right because they get tricked into doing it. Because they don't know. They don't watch Fox News. They go to work. And then they go home. And that's it. And they work their asses off. And then... They see Biden on TV and all he's fucking talking about is shit that they don't relate to. And then someone like Trump and starting with Nixon and the silent majority thing, you find the people, you know, the people that aren't being heard. And then you lie and say, I'm listening. I mean, you know, I'm listening to you. And then they believe you because why wouldn't they? They they want someone to believe in. And that's how you get all these I, uh, Trump supporters. In I got a conversation with a friend of mine who's, uh, I'll admit, like a little more radical when it comes to uh, his views than me. And I said to him, like, listen. I voted for Joe Biden because I think as far as progressives go, we got a fighting chance if we vote for him. The country was fucking doomed if we kept going with Trump another few years. Um, so it's all right, on that dude. note, um, we've been the outliers. Please go show some love for Mr. Pink Williams. And um, we will see you next week when we talk about something. Yeah, let me, I want to close this out with one of my new songs. I haven't even recorded it yet. Uh, just done a couple of videos on it. Um, this is Redneck Union. One, two, one, two, three, four. Well, me and the boys been thinking we don't like what we see. The boss man's getting richer. We ain't got enough to eat. He got a brand new Cadillac car. We got diddly squat. Working away our lives to put a golf course on his yacht. I think it's time we take a tip from the old Blair Mountain man. It's redneck union time again. The Mount Palachian miners down West Virginia way sold their soul to old Big Cole until they had their say. From August to September, way back in 21, they told the boss to go get lost. Their working days were done. They fought hard for workers' rights. I think we should follow them. It's redneck union time again. 
This has been Pink Williams with the Outliers. We're going to have to have you again on sometime. Anytime, my brothers, anytime.